Yes, said Bod, his voice echoing in the chamber room. I understand. Good, said Jack. Now come here. Let's have a little chat. Bod began to walk down the steps. He concentrated on the fear, on raising the level of panic in the room, of making the terror something tangible. Stop that, said the man Jack. Whatever it is you're doing, don't do it. Bod let it go. You think, said Jack, that you can do your little magics on me. Do you know what I am, boy? Bod said, you're a Jack. You killed my family and you should have killed me. Jack raised an eyebrow. He said, I should have killed you? Oh, yes, the old man said that if you let me grow to an adulthood, your order would be destroyed. I did. You failed and you lost. My order goes back before Babylon. Nothing can harm it. They didn't tell you, did they? Bod was standing five paces from the man Jack. Those four, they were the last of the Jacks. What was it? Krakow and Vancouver and Melbourne, all gone. Scarlet said, please, Bod, make him let go of me. Don't worry, said Bod with a calm he did not feel. He said to Jack, there's no point in hurting her. There's no point in killing me. Don't you understand? There isn't even an order of Jack of all trades. Not anymore. Jack nodded thoughtfully. If this is true, said Jack, and if I'm now a Jack of all alone, then I have an excellent reason for killing you both. Bod said nothing. Pride said the man Jack, pride in the work, pride in the finishing what I began. And then he said, what are you doing? Bod's hair prickled. He could feel a smoke tendril pressing, twining through the room. He said, it's not me, it's the slear. It's the guards, the treasure that's buried here. Don't lie. Scarlet said, he's not lying, it's true. Jack said, true. Buried treasure, don't make me. The slear guards, the treasure for the master. Who said that? Asked the man Jack looking around. You heard it, asked Bod, puzzled. I heard it, said Jack. Yes, Scarlet said, I didn't hear anything. The man Jack said, what is this place, boy? Where are we? Before Bod could speak, the Sleer's voice spoke, echoing through the chamber. This is the place of the treasure. This is the place of power. This is where the Sleer guards and waits for its master to return. Bod said, Jack. The man Jack tilted his head on one side and he said, it's good to hear my name in your mouth, boy. If you used it before, I could have found you sooner. Jack, what was my real name? What did my family call me? Why should that matter to you now? Bod said, the Sleer told me to find my name. What was it? Jack said, let me see. Was it Peter or Paul or Roderick? You look like a Roderick. Maybe you were a Stephen. He was playing with the boy. You might as well tell me you're going to kill me anyway, said Bod. Jack shrugged and nodded in darkness, as if to say, obviously. I want to let the girl, I want you to let the girl go, said Bod. Let Scarlet go. Jack peered into the darkness, then said, that's an altar stone, isn't it? I suppose so. And a knife and a cup and a brooch. He was smiling now in the darkness. Bod could see it on his face, a strange, delighted smile that seemed out of place on the face, a smile of discovery and of understanding. Scarlet couldn't see anything but a blackness that sometimes erupted in flashes inside her eyeballs, but she could hear the delight in Jack's voice. The man Jack said, so the brotherhood is all over and the convocation is at its end. And yet, if there's no more jack-of-all-trades but me, what does it matter? There can be a new brotherhood, more powerful than the last. Power, echoed the sleer. This is perfect, said the man Jack. Look at us. We are in a place for which my people have hunted for thousands of years with everything necessary for the ceremony waiting for us. It makes you believe in the providence, doesn't it? Or in the massed prayers of all the jacks who have gone before us that at our lowest eve were given this. Bod could feel the sleer listening to Jack's words, could feel a low surface of excitement building in the chamber. 
The man Jack said, I'm going to put out my hand, boy. Scarlet, my knife is in still at your throat. Do not try to run when I let go of you. Boy, you will place the cup and the knife and the brooch in my hand. The treasure of the sleer, whispered the triple voice. It always comes back. We guard it for the master. Bod bent down and took the objects from the altar stone and put them in Jack's open gloved hand. Jack grinned. Scarlet, I'm going to release you. When I take the knife away, I want you to lie face down on the ground with your hands behind your head. Move or try anything and I will kill you painfully. Do you understand? She gulped. Her mouth was dry, but she took one shaky step forward. Her right arm, which had been twisted up to the small of her... Uh, the small of her back was now numb. She felt only pins and needles in her shoulder. She lay down, her cheek resting on the packed earth. We are dead, she thought, and we're not even tinged with emotion. It felt as if we were watching something happening to other people, a surreal drama that had turned into a game of murder in the dark. She heard the noise of Jack taking hold of Bod. Bod's voice said, let her go. The man Jack's voice, if you do everything I say, I won't kill her. I won't even hurt her. I don't believe you. She can identify you. No, the adult voice seemed certain. She can't. And then it said, 10,000 years and the knife is still sharp. The admiration in the voice was plappable. Boy, go and kneel on that altar stone, hands behind your back, now. It has been so long, said the sleer, but all Scarlet heard was slithering noise as if enormous coils winding around the chamber. But the man Jack heard, you want to know your name, boy, before I spill your blood on the stone. Bod felt the cold of the knife at his neck, and in that moment, Bod understood. Everything slowed. Everything came into focus. I know my name, he said. I'm nobody Owens, and that's who I am. And kneeling on the cold altar stone, it came very simple. It seemed very simple. Sleer, he said to the chamber, do you still want a master? The Sleer guards the treasure until the master returns. Well, said Bod, haven't you finally found the master you've been looking for? He could sense the slew writhing and expanding, hear a noise through the scratching of a thousand dead twigs, as if something huge and muscular was snaking its way around the inside of the chamber. And then, for the first time, Bod saw the slew. Afterwards, he was never able to describe what he'd seen. Something huge, yes, something with the body of an enormous snake, but with head of a watts. There were three of them, three heads, three necks, three faces were dead, as if someone had constructed dolls from parts of the corpses and humans and of animals. The faces were covered in purple patterns, tattooed in swirls of indigo and devouring, turning the dead faces into strange, expressive, monstrous things. The faces of the sleer nuzzled the air about Jack's tentatively, as if they wanted to stroke or caress him. What's happened, said Jack. What is it? What does it do? It's called the sleer. It guards the place. It needs master to tell it what to do, said Bod. Jack hefted the flint knife into his hand. Beautiful, he said to himself. And then, of course, it's been waiting for me. And yes, obviously, I am its new master. The sleer encircled the interior of the chamber. Master, it said like a dog who'd patiently... I waited patiently for too long. It said, Master, again, as if testing the word to see it tasted, and it tasted good. So it said it one more time with a sigh of delight and longing, Master. Jack looked at Bod. 13 years ago, I missed you, and now we are reunited. The end of one order, the beginning of another. Goodbye, boy. With one hand, he lowered the knife to the boy's throat. The other hand held the goblet. Bod, said Bod, not boy, Bod. And he raised his voice. Sleer, he said, what will you do with your new master? The Sleer sighed. We will protect him until the end of time. The Sleer will hold him in its coils forever and never let him endure the dangers of the world. Then protect him, said Bod. Now, 
I am your master, you will obey me, said the man Jack. The sleer has waited so long, said the triple voice of its sleer triumphantly. So long a time, it began to loop its huge, lazy coils around the man Jack. The man Jack dropped the goblet. Now he had his knife in each hand, a flint knife and a knife with the backbone handle. And he said, get back, keep away from me. Don't get any closer. He slashed out with the knife as the sleer twined around him and in a huge crushing movement engulfed the man Jack in its coils. Bod ran over to Scarlet and helped her up. I want to see, she said. I want to see what's happening. She pulled out her LED light and turned it on. What Scarlet saw was not what Bod saw. She did not see the sleer, and that was the mercy. She saw the man Jack, though, and she saw the fear on his face, which made him look like Mr. Frost had once looked. In his terror, he was once more the nice man who had driven her home. He was floating in the air, five, then ten feet above the ground, slashing wildly at the air with two knives, trying to stab something she could not see in a display that was obviously having no effect. Mr. Frost, the man Jack, whoever he was, was forged away from them, pulled back until he was spread-eagled, arms and legs wide and failing against the side of the chamber wall. It seemed to Scarlet that Mr. Frost was being forced through the wall, pulled into the rock and was being swallowed up by it. Now there was nothing visible but a face. He was shouting wildly, desperately, shouting at Bod to call the thing off, to save him, please, please, and then the man's face was pulled through the wall and the voice was silenced. Bod walked back to the altar stone. He picked up the stone knife and the goblet and the brooch from the ground and replaced it with where they belonged. He left the black metal knife where it fell. Scarlet said, I thought you said the sleer couldn't hurt people. I thought it all it could do was frighten us. Yes, said Bod, but it wanted a master to protect. I told me so. Scarlet said, you mean you knew? You knew that would happen? Yes, I hoped it would. He helped her up the steps and out the chaos of the Freshman Museum. I'll need to clean this all up, he said Bod casually. Scarlet tried not to look at the things on the floor. They stepped out onto the graveyard and Scarlet said dully, once more, you knew that would happen? This time Bod said nothing. She looked at him as if unsure of what she was looking at. So you knew that the sleer would take him? Was that why you hid me down there, was it? What was I, then bait? Bod said, it wasn't like that, he said. We're still alive, aren't we? And he won't trouble us any longer. Scarlet could feel the anger and the rage welling up inside her. The fear had gone, and now all she was left with was the need to lash out, to shout. She fought the urge. And what about those other men? Did you kill them too? I didn't kill anyone. Then where are they? One's at the bottom of the deep grave with a broken ankle. The other three are, well, they're a long way away. You didn't kill them? Of course not, Bod said. This is my home. Why would I want them hanging around here for the rest of the time? Then... Look, it's okay. I dealt with them. Scarlet took a step away from him and she said, you aren't a person. People don't behave like you. You're as bad as he was. You're a monster. Bod felt the blood drain from his face. After everything that happened through the night and after everything that had happened, this was somehow the hardest thing to take. No, he said, it wasn't like that. Scarlet began to back away from Bod. She took one step, two steps, and was about to flee, to turn and run manly, desperately away from the moonlight graveyard when a tall man in a black velvet put a hand on her and said, I'm afraid you do, Bod, an injustice, but you will undoubtedly be happy if you remember none of this. So let's walk together, you and I, and discuss what has happened to you over the last few days and what might be wise for you to remember and what might be better for you to forget. Bod said, Silas, you can't. You can't make her forget me. It will be safest that way said Silas simply, for her, if not for all of us. Don't, don't I get a say in this? asked Scarlet. 
Silas said nothing. Bod took a step towards Scarlet and said, Look, it's over. I know it was hard, but we did it. You and me, we beat them. Her head was shaken gently as if she was denying everything she saw, everything was experiencing. She looked up at Silas and said only, I want to go home, please. Silas nodded. He walked with the girl down the path that would eventually lead them both out of the graveyard. Bod stared at Scarlet as she was walked away, hoping that she would turn and look back. Then she'd smile or just look at him without the fear in her eyes. But Scarlet did not return. She simply walked away. Bod went back into the mausoleum. He had to do something, so he began to pick up the fallen coffins to remove the debris and to replace the tangle of tumbled bones into the coffins, disappointed to discover that none of the many freshers or frobushes or pitifers gathered around to watch them seemed to be quite certain whose bones belonged in which container. A man brought Scarlet home. Later, Scarlet's mother could not remember quite what he had told her, although disappointingly she'd learnt that the nice Jay Frost had unvoluntarily been forced to leave town. The man talked with them in the kitchen about their lives and their dreams, and by the end of the conversation, Scarlet's mother had somehow decided that they would be returning to Glasgow. Scarlet would be happy to be near her father and to see her old friends again. Silas left the girl and her mother talking in the kitchen, discussing the challenges of moving back to Scotland with Nuna, promising to buy Scarlet a new phone of her own. They barely remembered that Silas had even been there, which was the way he liked it. Silas returned to the graveyard and found Bod sitting in an amphitheatre by the obsolete his face set. How is she? I took her memory, said Silas. They returned to Glasgow. She has friends there. How could you make her forget me? Silas said, people want to forget the impossible. It makes the world safer. Bod said, I liked her. I'm sorry. Bod tried to smile, but he could not find a smile inside himself. The men, they spoke about trouble they were having in Krakow, Melbourne and Vancouver. That was you, wasn't it? It was not alone, said Silas. Miss Lipscur, said Bod, then seeing the expression on his guardian's face, is she all right? Silas shook his head, and for a moment his face was terribly for Bod uh, to behold. She fought bravely. She fought for you, Bod. Bod said, the sleer has the man, Jack. Three of the others went through the ghoul gate. There's one injured but still alive at the bottom of Carstairs' grave. Silas said, he's the last of the jacks. I will need to talk to him then before sunrise. The wind that blew across the graveyard was cold, and neither the man nor the boy seemed to feel it. Bod said she was scared of me. Yes. But why? I saved her life. I'm not a bad person, and I'm just like her. I'm alive too. Then he said, how did Miss Lipska fall? Bravely, said Silas in a battle, protecting others. Bod's eyes were dark. You could have brought her back here, buried her here. Then I could have talked to her. Silas said that was not an option. Bod felt his eyes stinging. He said she used to call me Nimini. No one will ever call me that again. Silas said, shall we go get some food for you? We? You want to come with you? You want me to come with you out of the graveyard? Silas said, no one is trying to kill you. Not right now. There are a lot of things that they are going to be doing. Not any longer. So yes, what would you like to eat? Bod thought about saying that he wasn't hungry, but that simply wasn't true. He felt a little sick and a little lightheaded and he was starving. Pizza? He suggested. They walked through the graveyard, down the gates. As Bod walked, he saw the inhabitants of the graveyard, but they let the boy and his guardian pass among them without a word. They only watched. Bod tried to thank them for their help, to call out to his gratitude, but the dead said nothing. The lights of the pizza restaurant were bright, brighter than Bod was comfortable with. He and Silas sat near the back, and Silas showed him how to use a menu, how to, use, how to order food. Silas ordered a glass of water and a small salad for himself, but he pushed around the bowl with his fork, but never actually put to his lips. Bod ate pizza with his fingers with enthusiasm. He did not ask questions. 
Silas would talk to him in his own time or he would not. Silas said, we have known of them, of the Jacks, for a long, long time, but we knew of them only from the results of their activities. We suspected that there was an organisation behind it, but they hid too well. And then they came after you. They killed your family, and slowly I was able to follow the trail. Is we you and Miss Lipsker? asked Bod. Us and others like us. The honour guard, said Bod. How'd you hear about, said Silas. Then, no matter, little pitchers have big ears, as they say. Yes, the honour guard. Silas picked up his glass of water. He picked up the water glass to his lips and moistened them, then put it down on the polished black tabletop. The surface of the tabletop was almost mirrored, and had anyone cared to look, they might have observed that the tall man had no reflection. Bod said, so now you're done, done with all this. Are you going to stay? I gave my word, said Silas. I'm here until you are grown. I'm grown, said Bod. No, said Silas, almost, not yet. He put a ten-pound note down on the tabletop. That girl, said Bod, Scarlet, why was she so scared of me, Silas? But Silas said nothing, and the question hung in the air as the man and the youth walked out of the bright pizza restaurant into the waiting darkness, and soon enough they were swallowed by the night.